Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solis. And with me, as always, is my very talented friend. As long as she is my sunny, I will be her share. <laughs> the mixtress, DC Gina. <laughs> so glad I get to have a mustache and small. And, and actually, the hair is amazing, so I'll be sunny, Mona. That's cool. I'm into it. Just don't go skiing. I was going to say, I don't need that skiing accident. No skiing. (laughs) So where does Sunny and Cher come into this? Um, I want to talk to you. I'm going to open up the show and talk about some great love duos. So we all know that Mark Anthony had Cleopatra, Napoleon Josephine, Diego Frida, Felix had Oscar, and of course Fred had his Wilma. Do you have any? Great love duos, Gina. Uh, well, I better say Neil, otherwise <laughs> going home is going to be real fucking tricky, huh? I didn't mean personally. <laughs> oh, my two great loves? Uh, I don't know. It's a good love story. Gina and Fred? I don't know. They're kind of like Ginger Rogers, and I don't know Fred Astaire. Yeah. That's not real, though, right? They didn't well, really. I don't think Fred and Wilma were either, to be honest. Oh, yeah, that's true. They were drawn. <laughs> It's Neil. It's Neil. It's all, all Neil. It's all Neil. It's you, Neil. <laughs> so, um, and why do I bring up great love duos? Well, um, it has to do with today's designate, designated drinker, and uh, it's, it's kind of funny, um, and here's why. He has confessed that he has a bizarre love of booze. Hmm. I said it, not him. I mean, he said it, not me. I just said it now, but he said it before. It was his, <laughs> not me. <laughs> I apparently need a cocktail. Are you afraid of the next designated drinker? I, I think it's all the know. caffeine. Maybe. So, uh... Please welcome the creative director and barkeep extraordinaire of Dante, Naren Young. Did I get it right? No. no. Naran. Norin. <laughs> Naren. Naren. <laughs> it's Naren. Gina's fault. Naren. Naren. Naren Young. Do you want me to write it down for you? In now, phonetically? You, the thing is, is you did. <laughs> so here, just so you know, you've got you're part of a great list of people of names that I have butchered. Oh, I feel so privileged. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> It's so good to be part of that group. <laughs> she can't even claim that she's from Queens like myself. I could be like, ah, oh, it's narrowing because I'm from this. Well, it's right. because right. before I got to know him, it I sounds more endearing from... coming from you. Yeah, it's right. acceptable. That right. for me is just an insult. Right. <laughs> so, um, sorry. Yeah, apology. sorry. Let's so let's no go. apology necessary. Let's go. I always assume I've been called worse. So. Anyway, so let's start off. How did you get here? Tell the listeners, I mean, this, we're sitting here in Dante, this cute, cute little spot in New York City. It's a little bit more famous than that, right? Yes. Tell us. It has a long history, for sure. Yeah. Tell us but how you got here. How did I get here? Yeah. Particularly right. to this, today, to this cafe? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes. How did you come to work? Yeah. I got the C train. Yeah. Some people would definitely want to stalk you the other way around. It was late, as usual. Um, yeah. No, you know, I guess I've been at this game for a long time now. You know, so I started when I was about 14, so wow. about six or seven years ago. Um, <laughs> so, barely legal, folks, barely legal. Um, but, you know I, I, you know, I kind of came up through this industry in Australia many moons ago when I was kind of um, started, in the, you know, the, the, the smaller jobs, cleaning the restaurant and, you know, all that kind of stuff when you were young and that's all you could, all you were skilled to do. Australia, so, huh? I thought that accent was like Texas. No, well, just making it up. <laughs> South African, <laughs> Irish, English, I've heard them all, yeah. Irish, that's yeah. a good one, huh? You Americans never get it right. Yeah, no. no. That's why I like to throw out things like Texas or, you know, something ridiculous. Right. No, it's like, you know, I started back in Australia just, you know, doing menial jobs like that in restaurants, and I was just kind of drawn to this world of, of um, 
in this curious nature of bottles behind the bar and I was cleaning all these bottles and you know, what the hell is all this stuff and all these weird elixirs and um, you know by the time I was kind of like 14, 15 you know this movie kind of cocktail came out and I thought oh that looks kind of fun That's funny. and um, ever since then I kind of my mother started buying me all these cocktail books you know really really shitty cocktail books like <laughs> stuff for like you know like called like Women's Weekly and you know for housewives you know and stuff so very just like pretty books and like there, was the, there weren't the historical cocktail books that we kind of, of gravitate towards today so yeah. you know but so by the time I was kind of like 18 and legally allowed to work in a bar I probably knew about 100 drinks but I'd never really made any of them Wow. You know, so I was starting making drinks for her and her friends at home, just like really bad, probably like just stuff in blenders and just, it was really, really bad stuff and throwing bottles around in the back garden and just pretending I was like Tom Cruise, it was, it was pretty sad. Um, so it kind of came from there and then by the time, you know, each bar that I worked in through Sydney, in Sydney where I'm from, uh, I guess got progressively better and better. So it started off in some crappy ones like everyone else, started off in some, you know, shitty Irish bars and then it kind of, um, each one was... A little bit better from there so finally worked my way up into some decent cocktail bars and by then I was kind of I guess um, very curious and I had this kind of like studious um, um, approach to the industry and I think that came from buying all these cocktail books when I was young and studying them and had this very kind of like curious nature about most of them so um, yeah and then it was time to you know I did that till I was about 26 27 and then kind of thought you know it's time to expand and travel somewhere else so thought New York was kind of like the pinnacle at the time you know that in London probably of cocktail culture I guess in the world and I was like you know a lot of friends had done London and I'd been to London and stuff so I was like okay New York seemed a lot more difficult and a lot more like that was I didn't know what to expect a bit more of a challenge yeah and you know like it was so it was just a difficult place to move to and, and as, as Australian so um, I just thought okay I'm just gonna try it I think as a human <laughs> yeah you know and it was ch ch but I like that challenge I was like you know if I didn't really know anyone here and I was like fuck it I'm just gonna go and just see what happens yeah. so just came here and just tried to make a go of it and, and the same same deal I just each bar just got progressively better and better and I worked what in was some your first crap ones. bar in New York the very first bar I worked in was this terrible terrible like nightclub up on club row in like 28th street okay. it's it called pre-post god it was so bad they were, they were trying to get for people that were going for dinner pre-clubbing so it opened oh. at 10 and then go, people that wanted to dine post-clubbing at 5 a.m so oh so my it was, god as you can imagine one of the worst concepts ever made so needless <laughs> to say it didn't last very long yeah. and neither, neither did i at that place so i was there probably for about a week or two and then ended up working at a place called public in, in nolita and then you know i worked at the pega club for a while I worked at a mexican place called la esquina um, and then, um, then eventually moved on to places like Saxon and Parole and Public and uh, that kind of Avrico hospitality group, which is, I guess, where I kind of made my name a bit more. And then this came about, you know, hooked up with some old friends here that we'd, be, we'd kind of grown up through the industry together in Australia. Uh, the opportunity came up for us to, to take over Cafe Dante, and that's what we did. Cool. Yeah. And so this place has been here a really long time. It's yeah. super cute. Yeah, long history. It's been here since 1915. You know, we took it over on its 100th year anniversary. Uh, and at that time when we took it over, it was just a very simple, you know, um, local community-based cafe, you know, very simple food, just sandwiches, paninis, ice cream, milkshakes, coffee, very bad coffee, don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. <laughs> um, and just a, just, a, just a really simple place. There was no cocktails to speak of, the food was very simple, um, but it was just a, like a, a place, you know, the community would come and hang out. You know, and during the 50s and 60s, this is a place where a lot of the beatnik generation would kind of come. Oh, cool. A lot of artists and musicians, like Bob Dylan lived across the street, um, Patti Smith, you know, used to come in here a lot, you know. And this is, a, this is a hub for a lot of like those creative types that were coming through this neighborhood in that time. So a lot of like artists, musicians, poets, comedians, um, 
and so forth. And a lot of Italian community kind of settled around here as well. So you found a lot of kind of like these kind of little pockets of Italian um, people, you know, opening cafes and bars and so forth around here. So that's what this always was. And we wanted to, I guess, keep the bones of what Cafe Dante was and keep this, I guess, historical integrity of what it was, but give it a bit more of a, you know, a facelift, but without making it seem too cool or trendy or hip, you know, so, um, you know, still keeping this kind of like European cafe all day vibe, but introducing a cocktail program, a bit more of a serious food, food offering, some better wines, that kind of thing. Some delicious coffee. Very delicious Very coffee. coffee. <laughs> yeah. So just so you know, if you hear any bumps and bruises going on in the background, they're around doing some little runouts right now, making well, it even nicer than what it was. Well, when you have a hundred, when you have a hundred-year-old building, there's always something falling apart. So <laughs> there's this, always a bunch of bumps going this, on. This is this is a sound that we're very much used to every day. <laughs> so I'm sorry for your listeners to have to, to, to bear through this. Yeah, just so we understand. Yeah. So uh, tell us um, about your approach to cocktails, because you're the mastermind behind this menu. Sure. So, you know, in a lot of ways, the, like the past of Dante kind of dictated, you know, what we wanted to do in terms of the future concept, so, which was this kind of Italian cafe. So we wanted to take this idea of European style drinking, which is a lot of aperitivi. So anything from Campari's, Aperol, spritzes, gin and tonics, champagne, martinis, uh, all those things that fit under that umbrella and really kind of explore, you know, dive deep into those and explore them because no one was really doing it in, in, in New York or even in the US on a, big, on a bigger scale. So sure, people had Negronis here and there or they might have had a spritz on their menu, but how do we kind of use that as our kind of platform to really kind of explore the possibilities of how people have been drinking in Europe for hundreds of years, whether it's in Italy, France, Spain, Portugal, Germany, all these old world countries that have this great long history of... Um, I guess it's more elegant drinking, more convivial. It's not like you know, a lot of places in America, dare I say, that you know, it's about, you know, let's just go out and get drunk and stuff. It's like, how do we make something that's a bit more, you know, relaxed and, and all day dining and just something that's just really kind of a bit more, you know, um, elegant but egalitarian as well at the same but time. still approachable. Sure, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, so we wanted to really kind of use those drinks as our muse, really, and, and just kind of see where it took us. And um, lucky for us, it's been a, a movement that's really happening, like, you know, all around the world now, outside of Europe, which is great. So every time, you know, I'm traveling a lot and I get to see these people making these style of drinks in, you know, parts of Africa, Australasia, you know, Middle East, all over. So it's amazing to see that this kind of aperitivo movement is really stretching beyond the borders of, of this traditional homeland in Europe. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Gina, what's your favorite? What do, what do, you, what do you think about this? What do you, when, if you were to sit down... So I'm a little overwhelmed. I'll be honest. So this is my first time here. And I'm um, a long-time fan. Obviously, I've like got you know I've been making cocktails for quite a bit of time in my life, right? My whole life, I feel like. <laughs> anyway, walking in here, I just I just was saying to Louise when we walked in and you were getting ready, I was like, it's got like this. Um, you don't know what time it is, and that's like some like that's the best thing ever, right? So people are always like, oh, you go to casinos, you don't know what time it is, right? Well, when you go to a bar, and you have that same feeling, like right now, it's kind of like you know, it's just you're in here, it's. I'll say it. I know what I was supposed to say. It's the morning, and you, it might it could be five o'clock at night at the same time. It's yeah. beautiful. Like it's just so well done, and like I don't know, it's just lined with different. Um, you know, I look at all these bottles, and you think about like friends, right? So bottles are association with friends or feelings or where you've been, and like and and then you know I remind, been rem- I just got slapped in the face and reminded. You know, you don't know everything because I looked up. I was like, what's a Mara Bellagrina? What's what's this? I've never seen it, and it just makes all of this what what going to these bars is about like you're listening to this and you're like cafe dante i i I gotta go to dante's in new york i gotta i gotta go have a cocktail there 
because you need to like have that timeless moment where you forget that like maybe you don't first of all you don't know everything you can be the best cocktail maker in the world you don't know everything and you're here and like I can just tell you right now I could probably sit here all day I take out a book Cut, like come up with a new idea or concept. I already saw ten things I want to steal, <laughs> or you know, I'm like I already love it. I'm thinking, oh, I, I love everything about it, and that's exactly what a bar or like you've nailed it. Like I, you know, you've won so many prestigious awards. I mean, like we could just go on and on. We could have a whole other show about that, but and we'll list them on the website so you guys can see like you know what Dante's um, awards are. You just, I can see it now. I understand. Like, you get it. Like, you sit down. Even the stools are comfortable. They're all these wood stools, and they're worn in just a bit, but they're, they feel nice to the touch. And, like, you know, being a girl, the first thing that always happens at a bar stool is, like, your dress gets caught on something, <laughs> or you can't slide around, or you're sliding off of it. It's like no one ever has, like, because they just assume everybody wears jeans, and they don't. So the place feels really thoughtful. It is. Like, every part of it's thoughtful. Like, even, like, the little... When you're sitting in here, you have this little window view, and it's got, like, two little perfect cozy seats to, like, have that first, you know, date sip and talk to somebody and get to know them, or, you but know. But date's only with Neil, Gina. I just, no, I, <laughs> yes, it is only with you, honey, but it is, it's very, and you can see where the romanticism of it is, like, the, like, where you could, you, you could go back in time, and, like, did you write a really great article for, you know, at that time, a magazine, or. Were you Bob Dylan sitting here drinking? I don't know. Like, to your point, it does feel very timeless and very warm and welcoming. So, well done. Good. That's exactly, that's exactly the look and feel we're going for. So cool. Cool. Glad you picked up on that. Um, so, you know what would make like me feel else. really welcome? What's that? You know what would make me feel really welcome? Tell me. A cocktail. Ooh. <laughs> so, a cocktail. Uh, I, a I, cocktail. Can, I think I can make one or two of those. <laughs> All right. What you got? So this is our Garibaldi. So this is a very uh, our take on a classic Italian cocktail, which is typically just Campari and orange. If you go to any cafe in Italy, they'll know what it is. But it's a very simple drink. But our one, we elevated a little bit. We use a, a, what we call fluffy orange juice, which is a term <laughs> we've come up with. So it's a, it's a term that's it's being a technical term. It's a term that's being copied <laughs> all around the world right now that I've seen on different menus, and it basically means that the texture is very fluffy and thick, almost like you, it looks like it might have egg white in there or something like that, or it's been shaken. People ask if we use a special orange. If we add something like weird chemicals to it, that's none of the above. We just put these peeled oranges through a very high-speed juicer, Revel juicer, that basically whips it into such a frenzy, I guess, that it pushes air into the drink. So oh, basically cool. aerates it. So, uh, so it's just an ounce and a half oh, of Campari. Cow. We just kind of mix that up into a froth. Add another, another ice cube. Orange across the top. It's so pretty. It is really pretty. And then, can you can do it first? And then that is, we serve it on a little white plate. That's our, that's our house signature cocktail, the Garibaldi. It's so pretty. It is. It almost looks like a smoothie with that air. To your point, the air that's pushed into. Some people call it an orange julius, which I don't even know what that means because I'm not, I'm not from America. But um, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of Americans say that that's what it is, and I'm. I just nod in agreement and go, yeah, sure, okay. If you worked in the mall when you were 16, like yeah. the rest of us idiots, yeah, this is an orange choice. However, there was no Campari. Yeah. Right. So some vanilla grocer from some company that came in giant bags and maybe that's it. Anyway, it probably has the chemicals that they were they prefer. It's really yeah. beautiful. It's like, it's just really like frothy, but you know what I love the most? It's served with a little dish on the bottom. And yeah. if you go anywhere in Italy, 
the ladies with the doilies and the dishes and the little, I love it. Oh, it gives you a cute little orange mustache too. I like that. It does, you want to accept? Yeah, oh absolutely. It's delicious with the creaminess. I love that. I don't know how to look at it because I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, Oh, the mouthfeel on that. That's really lovely. Wait, I'll just drink the whole thing. So Go right ahead. So that's fluffy orange juice. Fluffy orange <laughs> juice. <laughs> you heard it here first. I think that's how I went all my orange juice from now from now on. We're trying to get the world to drink fluffy orange juice. One drink at a time. <laughs> you know, one Garibaldi at a time. Um, I invite you to DC. Just make these one whole day. Maybe one hour and then we'll make you other cocktails. <laughs> we'll do it at Union Market because this is ridiculous. And you have to make it per order. You can't make it like, you can't pre-do the orange juice even more than two minutes before. Because the air then... Yep. So it has to be done. We do a la minute for every single drink for every person. Nice. Yep. Hi, Breville. If you're listening, uh, somebody <laughs> needs a job. We're creating a one-time juicer with a clean-out. Just making sure. We'll just put you at Breville and get a new job. Thanks. Sponsorship. Sorry. What? Perfect. Huh? Mr. Nice, Mr. Nice Mr. Yeah, Mr. Young, the guest found at Dante. <laughs> Okay. Say New York weapon. Okay. Sorry. So to get this simple but yet very delicious cocktail recipe for the Garibaldi, um, you're going to want to head over to designateddrinker.show. That's designateddrinker.show. Um, we'll have all the how-tos and the tips and the ingredients, again, to make this delicious cocktail. And uh, Gina will have that pro tip on how to make sure you make that perfect fluffy orange juice and I guarantee you're never going to want orange juice any other way so this is a tip you're definitely going to want to keep. Um, also we'll make sure that there's a link that gets you to the Dante website so uh, you can uh, stay in the loop and find out what they have coming up, what's on the menu, what's going on, um, how to get here, basically everything you need to know about Dante. Again you just head over to designateddrinker.show. So um, Gina's been uh, wondering about something else you've got coming up. Maybe a little sure. so, martini. Yeah. Did you so, bring that up? Yes. So, of course, I knew we were coming, and I needed to make sure that, like, I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I saw that you're putting out a new, you're rolling out a classic martini program. We are. Yeah, it's very cool. But tell us what you're doing, that, how we're doing this, well, or how you're doing this. Well, the thing this. is, like, for us, we, you know, we have this, <laughs> we, we have a whole page of Negronis on our menu, which is 12 Negronis, right? And we wanted to use that as our happy hour, like, as our muse to kind of really explore the Negroni and really kind of become the place in America known for the Negroni, right? So we kind of feel like we kind of own that drink now in terms of the breadth of how much we've explored it. Then we've done this thing called the Summer of Spritz. We really dive deep into the Spritz to tell another story about aperitivos and how where Dante can kind of really show our creativity in exploring that drink in many different guises. So the next one for us made sense was to go through the martini because it's such a classic aperitif that um, is, in my opinion, still often made badly, even considering it's such a simple drink. Sometimes the glass is warm or it's shaken to within an inch of its life or it's <laughs> doused in olive juice or it's just got a really sad lemon peel on top, you know? or it's served in a 14 ounce glass. It's like, so all these things really kind of, have kind of you know, gone against the martini when it really should be a really simple, bracing, tiny drink that really should be enjoyed in a few sips. So we wanted to bring back some of that and serve them pre-bottled, frozen, and pre-diluted in the bottle. So we have these beautiful handmade labels done from, we work with a local artist, so each of them will just be pulled out of the freezer, taken to the table, table side like a wine, and just present it to the guests and then pour it straight into a frozen glass, garnish with a quick twist if necessary or a spray of something from an atomizer and they walk off. So they have this beautiful handcrafted martini that is all, it's, we can serve in probably three or four seconds as opposed to taking 
one or two minutes, you know. So it really allows us to engage with the guests more and really kind of talk to them more about it by having these quick pre-made drinks, which we do a lot of. It allows us to really talk to them. So the Martini is our next big project, which is the biggest one we've done in about two years. So the Negroni was a start, then the Spritz, and now we're really going to dive deep into the, to the, the Martini. So it's a, we're putting a lot of effort, a lot of resources into it, uh, a lot of PR, a lot of money. So it's a lot of training for our staff. So it's something we're really excited to kind of to launch onto the market. So next Monday is our first our first day. We've been testing it out in pop-ups in at the Gramercy Tavern here in New York last year. We've done it in Spain, London. Uh, Athens. Uh, we've got one coming up in Miami next week at South Beach Food and Wine. So we're really testing it out first to see that we've got the presentation right, the service, making sure that it looks elegant and sophisticated and seamless. And then, yeah, we're just going to see what people think. So there's some old school variations on there that people might have heard of, like the Tuxedo Number no. 2 or the a Gibson variation or a Vespa variation. And then there's some of our own modern interpretations that kind of speak to Dante 2019. So hopefully. Whatever your taste in martinis, whether you're a novice or some aficionado, hopefully we can find something there for you. That's really cool. Again, yeah. it's a, again it kind of goes back into yeah. your idea of being almost timeless. Yeah, and I think the, the martini makes sense for us. You know, it's another drink that is so classic and so iconic. And you know, we're an old classic, you know, iconic bar that mm -hmm. it makes sense for us to kind of really explore these drinks and see what the possibilities are with these old school drinks and maybe enlighten people on maybe a new way that they can drink them without kind of ramming this kind of like information down their throat or being these cocktail geeks you know we're not here to be we're not a cocktail temple here it was never we're never intended to, to kind of preach to people you know we try to do it in subtle ways that if they're curious then we have the information to tell them if then if they're not curious at all then that's okay too yeah you know well i mean it's kind of the basis of our show too because for our own at home bartenders and Great. kind of learn how some of the basics and then Jean always encourages everyone to uh, go out and do something, change it up, do something new on their own, but give them solid yeah. basics, and we solid share, foundation. And we share any information people want, whether it's over the bar, if we want to put it on your website, like there's, there's no information that we have back here that we're not willing to tell people, whether it's recipes, there's no secret ingredients here, there's no <laughs> like, you know, like if people want to know anything at all, you know, I, I'm happy to email them directly and just say this is the recipe this is the juicer we use this is where we buy this this is where we source that this is the how we make this syrup like nothing's off limits for us so well, I think what it also does is it shows how much work and care goes into making this cocktail and how much easier it is just to belly up to your bar and sit back and watch you do all the work yeah. <laughs> but I'm gonna be back in two seconds I'm gonna grab these bottles for you all right okay yeah. so um what'd you bring up so these are our these wonderful bottled martinis that I was telling you about so you know the you know we wanted to have something that was beautiful and elegant that had the same kind of elevated service that you might find in wine yeah. you know so uh, we worked with a you know a, a, an artist uh, which I just found out is from DC I guess called <laughs> Riley who does some amazing stuff for us over the last couple of years with doing a lot of our postcards and and collateral that I've you know taken on the road and used around the world in different presentations and the idea was to get her to kind of design these kind of beautiful labels that were uh, all different martinis we have about about eight in total, I think. Uh, you know, most of them are served table side, almost all of them, uh, and they're basically pre-diluted with with bottled water. So they have the exact. We calibrated the exact same dilution that you might find that if you were stirring the cocktail. Oh, that's so, amazing. So it should taste exactly the same as if you were stirring it. So we basically take it over to them table side. We present it. Uh, here you go, madam. Here's your olivet, <laughs> and then you basically pour them the glass, pour them the drink. This particular one, we might drop some olive oil on top. Uh, has an olive in there and some lime oils already in there. Uh, we put it on a beautiful metal coaster and walk off. This one has my name written all over it. That's that olivet, that's... Oh. Yeah, so there's all different all different styles and varieties. So no matter what you're into, like I said before, hopefully you can find something for you. You know, hopefully that there's a, a flavor profile that you can find. So even if it's not too... You know, most of our martinis here are not that boozy. 
So, you know, fits in with that whole aperitivo-style drinking, which is generally lower alcohol, uh, refreshing kind of European-style drinks, which typically were not overly the, boozy. So The marathon, not the sprint. Yeah, and, the thing is, and, the, and it fits in with our concept here because a lot of people sit around here for two, three, four hours. You know, I yeah. think the record once a friend of mine sat outside for 10 hours, you know, and, and part of that is because a lot of our drinks are very light and refreshing and you don't have to sit there and get boozed up on, like, strong Manhattans or strong old-fashions. Even though we do offer that, our focus is definitely on more of those kind of, you know, lighter, spritzy, refreshing style drinks that, you know, we call, you know, very, that are very sessionable, nice. I guess. Nice. So I have a question. Is a martini supposed to be drank in the morning or is it supposed to be drank? No, seriously. Is it? So there's cocktails in the morning, sure. right? What is the proper time for a martini? Like if you were to go old school and make the decision, what time is it? My favorite time to drink a martini would be somewhere around 4 or 5 p.m. Yeah. I think any earlier than that, and particularly most martinis these days, as you know, Gina, are pretty strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, the whole vermouth thing is kind of uh, most people often leave it out these days, which is sad because it's not really a martini then. But, you know, most martinis are super boozy. So if you're going to have them earlier in the day, you know, it's kind of knock you around a little bit. So I think easy way <laughs> into the night, four or five o'clock, have a nice 50-50 ratio of martini like we do here. And you can have two or three of them and not feel like you're going to fall over when you walk out the front door. Yeah. You're going to remember that you're actually in Cafe Dante <laughs> uh, and not any other bar in, in, the, in the city. <laughs> I mean, they say cocktails are morning pick-me-up, so I mean, I'm into it. Like, like okay, yeah. I want to know what time. Like, I, I think that's... Uh... Well, I think the Garibaldi you're drinking right now is definitely probably can be considered a morningish drink. You get all your vitamin C in one, in a couple of gulps as well, uh, and so forth. I like the way you think. Yeah. I mean, we just made that healthy. <laughs> I mean, it's gone. Healthy. So I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm the. I'm the I think I'm. A, I think I'm a sprinter. I like to get it all in. And, and well, that's yeah. also because you have children usually on like a, a time clock. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really, really hindered my drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Motherhood. <laughs> I love the kids. When someday they'll listen to this and they'll go, Ma, did you really say that? And I'm going to go, I did. Yeah. yeah. You really, really messed up my social life. But I love you nonetheless. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Can we try one? Anyone? Yeah. All of that sounds amazing. Yes. I how cold they are. They have been sitting um, It's going to be perfect. It's going to be perfect. Fridge, so yes. Let me, let me make you one how we would normally make it. You picked the right one for me, Gina. I mean, I'm pretty excited. Does, um, is there a, an upside down dirty Gibson? Is that like is that like Debbie Gibson after a long night? Is that a New York reference? Because I just came from Long Island. And what, what is, I'm staying at my sister's in Long Island. Is that With Debbie reference? Gibson? She still lives here, doesn't she? I feel like she does. Anyway, do you ever leave New York? Well, what's your favorite? We can have your favorite too. You don't have to. We don't have to. No, no, we can, do, we can do the Olivet. It's beautiful. I mean, it drinks like a very, very subtle, dirty martini. So it's, uh. there's, uh, you know, uh, whiskey. Oh, no, whiskey. What am I talking about? Gin. <laughs> Maybe I need a martini. Gin, vodka, some dry vermouth, a um, little elderflower. There's some uh, olive bitters in there, some lime oils. Um, so it's quite simple, very elegant, um, beautiful drink. Oh, uh, like a, little, a little, a little savory. Oh, and my mouth is watering just thinking about it. all those ingredients. Absolutely, that's right up my alley. So pretty. Look at that. So basically, we put that down on the metal coaster. We get some lime oils. The presentation is so nice. Spray them on the bottom and inside the glass. Oh, that's interesting. So you. Um, Miss Gina, Olivet for you. Absolutely, that looks lovely. So you only like cut the rind, you didn't drop it in, and it just, I could see the oils, the oils. of the lime, and you put it at the base, so is that just so we'll first? put your nose over there, have a smell. You can, you smell that? Mm -hmm. 
that's interesting. Busy. Oh, beautiful. And then just some drops of olive oil to tie it all together because there's so many different olive layers in there. Oh. Okay. And this is it. really beautiful. Like I don't. <clears throat> I'm going in, Gina. It's a, it's like a photo. What kind of olive is that? That is a green Serignola oh. olive. From that's Italy? from Italy. I'm not sure what part of Italy it's from, but they're really beautiful. I think they're really elegant. Okay, that that drink is beautiful and elegant from top to bottom, inside out. That's lovely. What vermouth is in here? Nolly Prop. I love that vermouth yep. and martinis. I know. Yeah. Such a everyone's like, oh, it's so basic. I'm like, it's not. That's no, the best vermouth out there. So when you're picking a vermouth, how do you, when you came to this, was there a reason why you went to that vermouth? What are the? I just think each each vermouth bring a different nuance to the drink. You know, yeah. this one we wanted something quite dry and classic. You know, the Nuali Party is the most kind of classic dry vermouth out there, um, and it's just beautiful, herbaceous. You know, um, really nice botanicals in there. It's just gorgeous. So for that, just dry the drink out a lot, which is what we needed. Gotcha. Yeah. I know when I'm sitting there looking at them, I get a little overwhelmed because I'm not you. Right. So <laughs> that um that little lime spritz on there, it makes such a big difference. Totally. It's crazy. It's, yeah. It was just, it was just yeah. basically raise the glass. Yeah. Yep. That one. Uh, I could, uh. I could easily see myself sitting here all day sipping that one. <laughs> one easily. Of the, one of the spirited awards. I'll, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll go again. Let's go again. Let's take you in best bar again. Well, I think you have to come back here in the spring or summer when people sit outside and there's like tons of seats out in the front and it's just um, very relaxed, sun shining, and it's just beautiful. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Come back and see us. Absolutely. Thank that you. was an invite. At least we didn't wear out our welcome. I know, we didn't get kicked out. Isn't we that great? First, there's always a first time for everything, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I think we're just going to get out of your hair, which is kind of funny. You can say it. I guess no, I just got my ass kicked out. <laughs> hey, listen, if, at least if, even if you go on board, at least no one cares, then you've got your shaved heads. So it's like, it's like, you know. I did my hair. <laughs> All right. All of our hair looks fabulous. Ladies, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having us.